0: hey
1: good afternoon welcome to swat radio brad sykes here with my good buddy doug mccary on this friday afternoon usually Fridays are kind of a free-for-all for, for Doug and I. We, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. We will not be taking any calls today due to the fact that we've got a very special guest. But, Doug, I wanted to mention real quick, and I know you've had similar responses to our broadcast this week. I've had a number of people comment how much they've enjoyed just the dialogue of the disciplines of being in the Word. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems simple, doesn't it? I mean, for, for you and I who've been walking with the Lord or our guest today, uh, you know, it seems like that's a very natural, normal thing as a follower, as a disciple of Christ is to be in his word. And yet it eludes us on, a, it, it
2: is something that the enemy strives to distract us from doing.
1: And that's you, that distraction usually comes in the form of busyness. Well,
2: absolutely, because you don't do what you don't plan to do, right? you know, and you got to plan it. And uh, one of the people that have helped me, even though I've never personally met him, uh, but I have been ministered to by his books uh, and just uh, hearing some of his uh, uh, talks on YouTube is our guest today. And I'm so excited to welcome uh, Dr. Don Whitney to SWAT Radio. Dr. Whitney, how are you?
0: I am way better than I deserve. How about you guys? We, we the are,
2: same. We are good. How How is your knee? We have been praying for your knee. How's the rehab going?
0: Well, thanks for asking. Yeah, went, on my 17th birthday, I had uh, aniscus removed uh, from my left knee due to a football injury. And so for 48 years, I've known the day was coming and have to have it replaced. And the day after Father's Day, I did. So that was four and a half weeks ago. And the doctor tells me I'm in the 95th percentile on recovery and the physical therapist. I just saw them again today. You know, the numbers are all, you know, ahead of schedule. But there's still a lot of pain, a lot of swelling. And so, you know, from the feeling of it, I would say I'm not doing so great. But from the more objective measurements, they say I'm I'm doing well. So thanks so, for asking.
1: Well, so no, uh, no marathons on the calendar for 2020 yet? <laughs>
2: Nope, all beyond. Well, well uh, before we get into some of your writings and your thoughts about the biblical spiritual disciplines, um, I want to talk about, the really important stuff, football, since football is coming up <laughs> shortly. Uh and you grew up in the South, right? You were kinda like a yes. Midwest South guy. I mean I don't so know. He's in Arkansas. I, yeah. Guy. I, I'm Mississippi, right? So he's I'm from Arkansas. Texas. Okay. And, you got
1: Arkansas. Yeah, we're we're all d- Did did you by chance
2: get a, get an opportunity to see the movie Greater when it came out?
1: I
0: did not. Sorry.
2: Okay, so greater was a a, a movie about Brandon Bulls Burlsworth who was a great Arkansas guy He was a walk-on that ended up I don't know if he became an academic all-American or whatever but he it was a great movie that was in the movie theaters for a grand total of four days and we went and saw
0: it i think i heard about
2: it we weren't even arkansas fans but we went to see it because it was about football and (laughs) it was a great movie but you grew up in that arkansas area and as i was getting ready for today's program it it looks like you didn't always uh, have ministry uh, as a professor in your sights you wanted to be a sportscaster is that right
0: yeah, I mean, I, I grew up uh, for sports in high school, played baseball in college, but when I finally realized I wasn't going to lead off and play center field with the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, the next best thing was going to be sportscasting. Mm-hmm. And that was that was a possibility because I'd grown up in radio station. My dad managed a small-town radio station back in a day when most small towns even had both a radio station and a newspaper. So I had since... Uh, I, I was able to start working. I would worked at the radio station and all my life I'd gone with my dad who used to broadcast the high school football and basketball games for our town and I would help him. And so one of the reasons I went to school where I did was so that I could come home and uh, do those sports for him. And so uh, throughout college I was doing uh, high school uh, sports on radio. And so, um, without stretching it out too long, i have seen a lot of guys get stuck in small-town radio. So I read the biography of Howard Cosell. Oh my. And hmm. some of your, some of your uh, listeners won't know who that is, but he was <laughs> one of the charter members of the Monday Night Football oh, yeah. crew, along with, Al, uh, with uh, Gifford and, and Don Meredith. And so anyway, he said the best training he had for his um, uh, sportscasting career was his legal background. Believe it or not, Howard Cosell left a $35,000 a year job as an attorney in the depression, and that was incredible money then. Yeah. to be a $500 a month sportscaster. So, in my 21-year-old mind, I said, you know, I I'll go to a big station and say I'll be your attorney and your sportscaster. <laughs> I love it. But uh I hated every minute of law school, and uh, the Lord made it clear the path I'd chosen for myself was not His path, and so after a year of law school, I went to seminary and have been in ministry since then.
1: Well, and Dr. Whitney, you went to seminary at Southwestern in Fort Worth, correct?
0: I did. In, in my day, that was really about the only conservative option uh, among the Southern Baptist Seminary. Well,
1: I'm a, I'm a TCU grad, so uh, you know we were neighbors not too far from each other there.
0: yeah. We, yeah, I went to school with a TCU uh, a tackle uh, who played over the Sid. Um, uh, I uh know his last name if I heard it, uh, but he played there.
2: Were you out there with a guy named Dennis Swanberg, by chance, at Southwest? I was. Yeah, Dennis is quite a card. He's a funny guy. Well, you know, being yeah. an athlete um, – there there's a lot of discipline required to be an athlete and i have found that there's a good crossover there in the area of spiritual disciplines Uh, athletes tend to to get it a lot of times when you talk about it but there's a movement that brad and i have talked about in our country today where people dismiss the the practice of spiritual disciplines as legalistic almost and and there's this growing wave of people that you know don't even want to be t- told that they They ought to read the Bible every day because that's just too legalistic. And so I I I would love for you, uh, the the book that you wrote, by the way, thank you for investing the time to write Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. I think it's gone through a reprint. You can get it on Amazon.com. It's called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, but Take take a moment to, to if you could take, you list a whole bunch of disciplines, and I'm sure if you go across the board, everybody's got their own list of what the spiritual, biblical spiritual disciplines are, but what would you say are the two most important of all, like for a, a starting point for people in the Christian life, Dr. Whitney?
0: Well, then, a question, it's the intake of the word of God in prayer and in that order. Uh, for it's more important for us to hear from God through His Word than for God to hear from us in prayer. Mm-hmm. And so those two are foundational for all the other disciplines. All the other disciplines really grow out of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, the intake of the Word and prayer uh, are <clears throat> give, give the uh, trajectory to all the others. They provide quality control, if you will, for all the others. And uh, sometimes I will speak, uh, in speaking on the disciplines, people will say, you know, it seems like every time I go to church, somebody's talking about reading the Bible and praying, would you talk about something different, you know, something <laughs> a little more exotic, like fasting or silence and solitude or journaling. And, and I'm happy to talk about those because they're, they're in the Bible, I think. But, um, if a person, I, I say to people who are teaching on the disciplines, if your folks aren't into the word and praying, forget fasting, you know, forget journaling, forget the other disciplines those are built on the foundation of the intake of the Word and prayer. So if people aren't doing that, forget the other disciplines.
1: Well, you, won't, you really won't have a desire to fast and pray, probably, if you're not in the Word, correct?
0: That's right. That's the, that's the food for our souls. That's, this is God speaking to us. This is, this is God revealing Himself to us. This is how we experience God in so many ways is through His self-revelation in His Word, and so th- this is how we taste and see that the Lord is good. And so it, uh, He He feeds our souls, and this increases our appetite for Him. And apart from that feeding, well, we're like these people you sometimes see these these very sad pictures of who are starving to death, but they don't have an appetite. You know, they haven't eaten in so long, their body is shutting down, and, and they don't really have an appetite.
2: Hmm. Well, how, you know, how— how do you deal with this issue that that I, I see in a lot of younger millennials, especially in the church, of where where they dismiss some of the, the the spiritual disciplines or the act of of cultivating spiritual discipline as legalistic? I mean, could you address that? Have you have you seen yeah. it too in seminary at all? Do oh you, yeah. So could you address that a little bit?
0: Yeah. Well. Let's acknowledge that legalism is real. The Bible warns of it. It's always a danger. It's always a tendency, and and those who are, as you mentioned, like athletes or others who may be a little inclined more than others toward the disciplines, uh, that that is a real danger. But you know what? For every real legalist that I see, I see ninety nine who are, the theological term is antinomians. Uh, I see ninety nine who have no discipline whatsoever. Mm. And so to me, what you pointed out is the much greater problem than legalism, at least in the general church population uh, that I see. But, you know, the strictest obedience to the absolute letter of the Word of God is never legalism if your motive is right. Mm-hmm. So motive is, is crucial. Uh, but if your motive is right, if you do know God, you hunger for God. And the only way that that hunger is satisfied is is through the self revelation of God in His Word. And so, they if your heart is on fire for God, you can't get enough of God. And where does that come from? From His Word. And if you, um, you know, it just it, it's a cycle. In other words, it feeds one feeds the other. So you hunger for truth if you know God, you know, His Word is truth, and so the more you know His truth, the more you want to know Him and and His Word, and so it just one feeds the other.
1: I I got a quick question. This is something that I deal with uh, as I uh, meet with men and disciple men, uh, specifically Dr. Whitney, younger men, uh, usually in their 20s, early 30s. um, You know, we, we know that you know, salvation is, uh, God, not just, it's not just us receiving Christ in our heart. It's getting a new heart that God plants in us a new heart. And within that heart, he gives us a desire for him. And so I hear sometimes men say, I just don't have an appetite. I don't have that hunger for God's word. What would you say to those guys? I mean, is it, I mean, I think there, this is where the disciplines, I believe, come into play is that, you know, it's like a, it's like a, a marathon runner doesn't wake up and go, well, wow, I just really want to run a, run a marathon. They start with a mile, then, then three miles, then five, and then they build up to it. Do you, do you feel the same way that when it comes to being a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, you may be saved but not have an appetite or a hunger for God's Word?
0: Well, if someone doesn't hunger for God, I mean, that, that's the greatest concern. Do they know God? How can you know God and not long to be with him, long to know him? Right. It's just a- almost inconceivable. How how could anyone know Jesus and not be driven to know the man, to, to be with him? It's just inconceivable. So if, if, if a person doesn't have an appetite for the things that help them experience God, do they really know God? So there, there's always that danger of, of people like Jesus said, you, you say to me, Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say. You know, I never knew you. So uh, anyone who has no appetite for God or the things that help them experience God, then the legitimate question is, do you really know God? Why do you think you know God? Where is the evidence that that you you do know God? And with such people, I would say, you know, what is the message by which we do know God? Uh, I just have released a, a revised and updated edition of my second book, which is How Can I Be Sure I'm a Christian? And I think clarity on the gospel is, is one of the most important things about assurance of salvation. What is the message by which we come to know God? And it's amazing how many people in their churches, if you ask them directly, will stare at the floor and shuffle their feet, and they really are unclear on the basic message of the gospel. So back to your question, what about the person who has no hunger? Well, my first of all, I, I want to say, uh, how, how, what are you basing the fact that you are a Christian on? Mm-hmm. And second, we there are seasons in, in the Christian life. I mean, just like you can be pretty healthy, and sometimes you say, I just don't have an appetite today. Uh, and that can be because of some, you know, undiagnosed, un, un, some illness you're not aware of, or just oppressive heat, or just you know, circumstances. Just uh, we're, we're we're humans, and so we have emotions and cycles, and sometimes we don't get enough sleep, or we don't feel good, or we're we're whatever. So, no Christian is absolutely steady from one day to the next, and either their heart or their their practices. So if a person says they don't have an appetite right now, say, well, you know, I understand that, but where is that appetite going to come from? It's not going to come from doing nothing. It's Mm -hmm. going to come from being around the things that will increase your appetite for God. So the classic example is a Sunday morning. You wake up, you know, how many times you say, well, I don't feel like going today. (laughs) But what makes that person get up and do what their neighbors aren't doing, and that is get ready and go to church we say the desire and the power is all to the glory of God. By the grace of God, I have the desire to overcome the inertia, to get out of bed, and to get there, even though I don't feel like it. I don't have an appetite for it today. But how many times, then, once you get there, you say, I am so glad I didn't mm. stay home today? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the
2: things that um, uh, I, I, I was going to ask you about, uh, I, I, we get a lot from guys is, you know, I read, but I don't understand. I can't understand it. And, you know, um, I don't know how you disciple guys who, I, I know at seminary, you're dealing with guys who want to go into ministry. But when you're dealing with what, what I call uh, entry level Christian guys who just, they've recently come to faith. And the Bible is is literally like reading another language, but yet they can read the English words. Could you speak to that a little bit about the power of prayer and helping us understand the Word itself and the reliance on the Spirit? Uh,
1: well,
0: yeah, I could speak to that all day. I mean, most weekends when I what I do when I go out is is speak to these these very things, and I will talk about this generally for three hours on Saturday morning, but <laughs> Let's go back to where we started. The the most important personal spiritual discipline is the intake of the Word. But even the guys who are most devoted to that will often say, you know, I'll read the Bible for 10 minutes every day. I mean, I I wish I could do more, but every day I, I have at least 10 minutes for the Word of God. I'm committed to that. Maybe I have to stand by the bed to do it, but I'm committed to do it. I'm going to do it. But frankly, as soon as I close my Bible, most days I don't remember a thing I've read. So I guess it's just me. I, I, I never had a good education. I never had a high IQ. Uh, I never had a good memory anyway, or I'm losing what memory I did have. And so I know it shouldn't be that way. I wish it weren't that way, but it always is. I guess it's just me. I'm a 2nd rate Christian. Uh-huh. Guys, I think that's an almost universal problem. Yes, And the reason I think it's so is we merely read the Bible, and reading alone was never intended to be the primary means of absorbing the Bible. Mm-hmm. Reading is the exposure to Scripture But meditation is the absorption of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And it's the absorption of Scripture that leads to the experience with God and the transformation of life we long for when we come to the Scripture. And I think meditation is the greatest single devotional need of most Christians. And if it were within my power to change the devotional life of every Christian on the planet, it would be right here. It would be meditation. But whenever I talk about that, I can see people saying, "But you don't get it, man. I'm working three jobs. I'm working 80 hours a week. I'm doing the best I can. God is my witness. The best I can do is chisel out 10 minutes of my day for the Word of God, and I can't do more. Yeah, I know if I would do more, if I'd spend more time in the Bible and do some meditation. Yeah, I know I would be better. I'd be a better Christian, so forth, but I can't do more. Mm-hmm. I get that. If you don't have 10 minutes, if you only have 10 minutes, don't read for 10 minutes read for five minutes, meditate Mm. for five minutes. And it's far better to read less if necessary. I'm not advocating reading less of the Bible, but it's far better to read less if necessary and remember something Mm. than to read more and remember nothing. (laughs) See, attention is the beginning of devotion, isn't it?
2: It it really is. That's,
0: That's what advertisers stake everything on, right? They want to get your attention and keep your attention. And if they will, you'll find yourself without even knowing it become, becoming devoted to their product. You'll go out and you'll, you'll go get their product. And you, you don't love a person you don't know. You don't love something you've never heard anything about. Attention breeds devotion. And so you can't just read the Bible. It requires attention. But once you do, that will breed devotion to the Word of God, devotion to God himself. Let me ask you this, guys. You know, most days it takes you, let's say, two two seconds to read verse 1. Whatever chapter you're reading, takes about two seconds to read verse 1. Then it takes you about two seconds to read verse 2, right? Yeah. And about two seconds to read verse 3. What do you ever remember that you look at for two seconds? (laughs)
2: Hardly anything. Yeah, very little.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, whether it's the Bible, whether it's a magazine, whether it's a TV commercial, almost nothing, right? And you can read a 1,000 verses every day, two seconds each, close your Bible, not remember a thing. Not because you have a poor memory. It's not you. It's your method. (laughs) And so I would plead with the guys, if necessary, read less. But after you're reading, go back and pick a verse or a phrase and meditate on that. I think the general rule every day for guys is read big, meditate small. Read a big section, like a whole chapter, then come back and meditate small, one verse, one phrase. In my spiritual lessons for the Christian Life book, I have 17 different ways that anybody can do to meditate on the Bible, which is to say there's not just one way to do it. So meditate on the text of scripture you do that and you're going to be able to do what god told joshua to do in joshua one 8, david to do and someone to meditate day and night Mm -hmm. now think of who think of who he said that to joshua and david were the civic the military the judicial leader of some two million people they had more responsibility than any of us than (laughs) all of us put together so he obviously didn't mean for them to walk around with a big scroll in front of them all day and all night because like you God had given them other things to do, too, and they were his will, too. So how in the world can you do everything else God wants you to do and meditate day and night? The only possible way is once during the day you absorb Scripture in such a way that whatever else you're doing day and night, you can come bring it to mind. You know, you're you're commuting in. What was that verse today? Oh, yeah. You're in a drive-thru at lunch. What was that verse? Oh, yeah. You wake up in the middle of the night. What was that verse? Oh, yeah. And day and night, you're meditating on scripture. You're able to, because once during the day, you absorb scripture through meditation.
2: Well, you you alluded to your seventeen methods. One of my favorite out of those methods is the emphasizing different words in the text. I've actually used that in memorization. Uh, it's been very helpful to me. And what I've found is that I've been as I've been memorizing. I also end up meditating as I'm memorizing, you know, because I'm doing yeah. that and I'm thinking my wife and I the other day we were on a walk and I was trying to help her memorize. We we're memorizing together and then we start discussing the words and we're actually chewing, which is I think what meditating means to chew on, to think about, to ponder over. Um, it, it, there's 17 different methods, like you said, in your book, but could you flesh out a little bit? of what you mean by meditation, because everybody, some people think, you know, people sitting in a yoga stance with their fingers in a pose and kind of, you know, doing that. What do you actually mean by meditation?
0: Well, we're talking about meditation on scripture. And when I teach on meditation, the very first thing I do is contrast what I call worldly meditation with biblical or Christian meditation. Worldly meditation says empty your mind, get everything out of your mind, don't think Biblical meditation, you are trying to think. You are trying to think on the text, what the text says, what the text means, how it applies, thinking on the words of the text. So now not thinking so hard give yourself a headache, but you are intentionally trying to think of something. So I, I basically just for simplicity say it's deep thinking. <laughs> you know, on, on the text of scripture. And um, uh, for purposes of understanding and application and prayer. You know, you could give a nuanced definition that's a page long and no one would remember it, but uh, it, we meditate all the time. We just don't know that's what it is. Anytime you you sit and think about something, uh, you, you picture it, you imagine it, you review it in your mind, you go over the, the conversation that you had, you you uh, reimagine an event, you know, what actually happened. That, that's meditation. So anytime you, you you kind of slowly think about something, that's meditation. And
2: we're to do that on on the word of God. Uh, well, um, as as you um, we, we got about two minutes and then we got to go to a break. But I want to I want to stay on this, the meditation and memorization thing. How important would you lump memorization into the spiritual disciplines as well?
0: Well, I would come back and say it is one of the 17 forms of meditation that I, I mentioned. You know, you can't help but think on a text when you're memorizing it. So that scripture memory is not just scripture memory. Scripture memory is also a form of meditation. Uh, meditation. And I, I love it when i under that uh, heading of Bible intake. Uh-huh. And under Bible intake, I, I have uh, six Parts of that, hearing the Bible, just like hearing it read on your phone or hearing it read at church, reading it, studying it, which takes a little more effort, um, meditating on it, memorizing it, and then applying it. Mm-hmm. So all of those are forms of Bible intake. So but your question as a form of Bible intake, it, it's, it's very, very important to hide God's Word uh, in our heart. And that's one of the ways we can meditate on it, but that's one of the ways that's ready in our minds, uh, so that we're able to, uh, lean on it, apply it, use it, witness with it, share it with others uh, when we need it.
2: So, so just to remind our listeners, you're listening to Dr. Donald Whitley, Don, Donald Whitney from the Southern Baptist seminary up in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, uh led by our, our good friend, uh, Dr. Al Moeller up there. And, uh, we are so grateful that you joined us we're about to go to break on the half hour for news and uh, when we come back dr whitney i i would um like you to address your book praying the bible moving into you you, you said there were two most the, the the two most important or the or the base uh disciplines were intake of god's word and then prayer so when we come back would you be willing to go through well we're, we're going to start a series next week on prayer and could you address what motivated you to write praying the Bible? Uh, and then why do you think we struggle so much with prayer as Christians? Would would you be able to do that when we come back? You bet. All
1: right. All right, great. Well that book has had a big impact in my life, Dr. Whitney. We're glad you've joined us today. If you're listening out there, you got a question, don't call us, but you can email us, Brad at SWATRadio.com or doug at swatradio.com and you can go to swatradio.com listen live you can also go back and listen to any past broadcast as doug mentioned dr al moeller we've had greg gilbert on uh some of our good friends up in southern and uh anyway glad you're with us today uh go to swatradio.com you can check us out on facebook twitter instagram at swat radio talk and uh Doug, anything else before we take that break? Buddy? No,
2: just uh, glad to have Dr. Whitney on again. And uh, if you again, you can get his book at Amazon.com. It's called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And Being a
0: giraffe, your jokes go over everyone's head, but they look up to you. <laughs> there in Giraffic Park, it eats from treetops, but when it bends to take a drink, that 18-foot-high head descends to the ground. Its 25-pound heart pumps blood down the length of its necktie, and when the giraffe stands, that heart switches gears and pumps up against gravity. It's an engineer's nightmare. But the giraffe's blood vessels are uniquely designed with reinforced walls and sensor signals to moderate the pressure. You'd almost think the giraffe was designed with love and a twinkle by the master artist God himself, the one who spoke all things into existence From galaxies to glowworms, and yes, you and me. This is Laugh Again with Phil Calloway. If you'd like to hear more and discover all things Laugh Again, visit us at laughagain.us. Laugh Again, truth bringing laughter to life.
2: major delays in St. Johns County because of a crash on I-95 northbound near County Road 210 blocking the left lane. Also, there's a multi-vehicle accident on I-95 southbound before the 295 East Beltway on the north side. Cloudy and windy tonight, low 58. Saturday will start the weekend partly sunny and breezy, high 74. From the Traffic and Weather
0: Center, I'm A.J.
1: Back to SWAT Radio, Brad and Doug here on this Friday afternoon. Our special guest, Dr. Donald Whitney, from up at Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, Dr. Whitney, uh, boy, I really appreciate you addressing what the kind of the question I brought up about this hunger, this appetite mm-hmm. for God's Word, because it, that's my my greatest concern is not that you don't have a hunger; it's that uh, the Spirit of God isn't in you, <laughs> and and you haven't been regenerated. Yeah. And so I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, one of the one of my favorite quotes. It's in the front of my my Bible. It's by from John Owen. It says, "The person who never meditates with delight on the glory of Christ in the Scriptures na- now will not have any real desire to see that glory in heaven." Mm-hmm. Uh, it yeah, just seems good. like, I, like that. I seem like the more I read, Doug. You and I talk about this a lot. The more time we spend in the Word, the more we want to spend time in the Word. Oh, I know. It's it's just like
2: it, it, it creates this to me thirst inside of you the more you read it the more you want to read it well uh we're talking to Dr. Don Whitney from uh the Southern Baptist Seminary up in Louisville and about his book Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. We're going to move on to uh praying the Bible but before we do go to amazon.com uh, Dr. Whitney uh the the section on real I'm a practical guy in the <laughs> the section on uh, the met methods of meditation that alone is worth the price of the book to me (laughs) it's just um that was so good to be able to have those practical methods and uh as i walk as i walk through them you know i told you i like the one where you emphasize different words but the other one i like is the joseph hall questions of the text where you got 10 questions you just ask And I think you can't do those kind of things in a few seconds. Those things require a little bit of time, right, to interact.
0: Right. And uh, I realize that some of these, and like the Joseph Hall questions, you probably can't do all of those in a single devotional setting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Therefore, you might stretch those 10 questions out over a week, you know, Mm -hmm. in your devotional time or or more. So um, I I try to – present them in such a way where they're doable for you know, ordinary Christians. Um, but there's got to be some devotion to time in the Word of God to make this happen. Um, it, it's just indispensable. You, it's not going to happen by osmosis. It takes a commitment to the Word of God. And I think though most people find it helpful to have some form of guidance in terms of, here's how you do it, here's how you meditate. Otherwise, they sort of say, okay, I'm going to meditate, meditate, and they start, you know, looking at the ceiling, and then they think, boy, we need to paint the ceiling, you know, and uh, and then that's daydreaming, <laughs> not meditation. Now, you know, I, I, in the little book I have called Simplify Your Spiritual Life, I have, uh, you know, it's just two-page chapters, and I have basically a chapter on daydreaming called Do Nothing and Do It to the Glory of God. <laughs> we're, we're not under the thumb of God who's grinding us out, you know, every minute trying to get more out of us, that sometimes it's okay just to kick man down the road and, and just let your mind wander. So sometimes daydreaming can, can be a good thing. But I just want to point out that daydreaming is not meditation. Meditation requires some sense of, of focus. Your attention is devoted to something in the text, what the text is teaching, what the text implies, how it applies and so, um, yeah, some of the methods, like the Joseph Hall methods, which is one of the most valuable to me, can take quite a bit of time. But it doesn't have to be uh, done all at once.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you, you're. Uh, I read one of the interviews you did, and I saw where you referenced some of your favorite books that you read, and uh, one of them is a book I have not read, but I love this guy's life it's george Mueller. Mm. Uh, my favorite book is it's about i don't know it's like a thousand page book called a million answers to prayer (laughs) a million and a half answers to prayer for of his but i've never (coughs) read the roger steers biography of his i wanted to ask you is that the one called delighted in god that he wrote or is that
0: a different it is yeah it is now a man named a.t pearson uh in very end of the uh around 1898 or so the classic biography of George Mueller. He was acquainted with George Mueller, um, but and that's the one that really changed my life when I was in seminary. But it, it's you know a little dated now. The one by Roger Steer came out in the, in the uh, '80s, and so it, it's a little more, it's a little easier to read for most people. It has some information that At Pearson wasn't aware of. So that's the one I require my students to read. I don't want them to just hear lectures about prayer. I want them to read a life of prayer, um, in my
2: class. Well, that, mm. you know, that book million and a half answers to prayer, the big thick yellow yeah. one yeah. is, is a, I mean, he, he, it just goes through and lists. He was a man of prayer and, uh, prayer is something that we struggle with either because we don't think it'll work or because we don't make time for it. There's a lot of reasons, but, I, I want to know what motivated you to delve into that book, uh, Praying the Bible, because that was something my wife <clears throat> tried to teach me, because she, she got into that before I did, where she would read a passage and, and then just really pray in response to it. What motivated you to write that book?
0: On well, 1st of March, 1985, I was pastoring in the suburbs of Chicago, and we had a man who was doing a series of special meetings at our church, <clears throat> um primarily in the evenings, but he also had these morning Bible studies for those who would come who he, could make it and so he was going through the prayers of the apostle Paul and you know saying things like we should pray these prayers today and you know I, I've heard that before and you know it was all the really good stuff but at one point he held up his Bible and said, folks when you pray use the prayer book and it suddenly dawned upon me that the whole Bible is a prayer book. Mm. We, we, we couldn't just pray the, the prayers in Ephesians 1 and in Ephesians 3. We can pray the whole book of Ephesians, not just the prayers in there. So I started doing that. Uh, shortly uh, got to praying the Psalms. Uh, after quite a while, I realized that was a historic Christian practice. Uh, sometime later, realized that there are, uh, you know, it's a, it's a New Testament practice. Two of the seven things jesus said on the cross including the very last thing he said were prayers from the psalms in acts 4 when the early church prays and the place is shaken they're praying a psalm so it was a practice that grew over a time from 1985 and then once i started teaching in seminary and and was traveling most weekends teaching on these things that's what i was asked to teach on most frequently and I, I can say that other than the gospel, it's the single most instantaneously and transformational thing that I ever teach. Mm. And I, I, I never tire of of, of teaching it. So uh, I see lives immediately and permanently changed right, right before my eyes. So uh, I, most weekends I'm out teaching that on Friday night and on meditation on Saturday morning. And then several years ago, I began to have the desire to put it in written form so that when I'm gone, uh, mm-hmm. the teaching, you know, will still be there. And I think other than preaching the gospel, the main reason God put me on the planet is to teach people how to pray the Bible. So It's so simple. And I, I think my prayer is that every Christian on the planet will learn how to pray the Bible. I think it's that fundamental. I think it's that simple.
1: Well, Dr. Whitney, uh, this is Brad. I, I want to just speak to this because... Um, there's some things in your book that you wrote praying the Bible, and uh, I remember—I don't remember when it was. I don't remember exactly where I was. I do know I was in my car because I'm a routine listener of, of talk radio, and and uh, you were a guest on some program where I heard you speaking about this idea of praying the Bible, and I—I I feel like I've been a man of prayer at least for the last. I came to Christ as an 18-year-old, so I'll date myself. That was almost 40 years ago. But the reality is, much of that time, I would not have considered myself to be a man of prayer. I mean, I would pray. In fact, one of the things I think you address in that book is the idea that so many Christians just kind of pray the same thing over and over again. And I, was, I became so convicted by something you had said about, you know— doug you and i talked about you know you can't plumb the depths of the scriptures <laughs> i mean it's just so deep and yet i i began very slowly to integrate this idea of praying the bible in it in fact i bought your book that afternoon and uh that has been a, such a staple uh piece of material that i've shared with other men because i find this to be a common thing obviously you do too if you're going out once a week to do this this idea that you know and again Doug and I really focus the ministry on men, but men being men of prayer and building that discipline and how you do it, how you take the scriptures and use those as your language of prayer. Well, it's like you
2: say in your book, men, they they don't feel like praying. They don't. I mean, and if they don't feel like it, they're not going to do it. And so one of the things that struck me was how you Uh, you demoed it. I mean, you you know, that was as a pilot. That's what I, we used to do. We would tell somebody what to do. We would demonstrate it and then we'd let them try it. And so I was wondering if you would mind, and I know we didn't ask you about this, but if you would mind modeling of what it looks like to pray the scriptures with something I've heard you do before Psalm 23, uh, would you mind doing that for a few minutes? Yeah,
0: that'd be great. And, um, I think the Psalms are the best place in Scripture from which to do this. So what I'll illustrate can be done um, uh, once, once you get it, once you learn how to do it, you can, you can do this from practically any place in the Bible. But basically, you turn the word the text into the words of your prayer. So the place i I'll often illustrate is Psalm 23 because people are so familiar with that text. So I'm ready to pray now, and I read the first line, The Lord is my shepherd. And, well, let me, let me preface it with this. You, you alluded to it briefly, that our tendency is to say the same old things about the same old things, and it's boring. When prayer is boring, we don't feel like praying. we don't feel like praying, we don't pray. To pray about the same old things is not the problem. Mm-hmm. That's normal. The reason is our lives tend to consist pretty much of the same things from one day to the next. Mm-hmm. And people tend to pray about pretty much the same six things. I mean, your your family, your future, your finances, (laughs) your work, or if you're a student, your schoolwork, your church, your ministry, some Christian concern you have, and the current crisis in your life. Mm. Well, there's almost nothing in your life that's not related to those six things. Your family, your future, your finances, your work or schoolwork, church or ministry, current crisis. That's your life. And those things, thank the Lord, don't change dramatically very often. So that means if you're going to pray about your life, you're going to pray pretty much about the same old things every day. That's not the problem. That's normal. The problem is we say the same old things about the same old things, and that's boring. So now to change that, I simply let the Scripture guide my prayers. So the Lord is my shepherd, and I might begin like this. Lord, I thank you that you are my shepherd. You're a good shepherd. You have shepherded me all my life. But, oh, great shepherd, would you shepherd me in this decision I have to make about my future? Do I make that job change or do I not? Lord, shepherd me into your will regarding my future. And I pray you would shepherd my family today. Guide them into the ways of God. Guard them from the ways of the world. Lead them not into temptation. Deliver them from evil. And I pray you'd make them your sheep too. May they love you as their shepherd, as I love you as my shepherd. And I pray for our under-shepherds at the church. Please shepherd them as they shepherd us. And then when nothing else comes to mind, you just go to the next line. I shall not want. Lord, you might pray, I thank you. I've never really been in want. I haven't missed many meals in my life, but I do know that you want us to bring our desires to you. So, Lord, would you provide those finances that we need for those bills, for school, for that car? Or you know someone who is in want, and you pray for them. And then you can't think of anything else. You go to the next line. He uh, makes me lie down in green pastures. And frankly, what comes to mind is... Well, I pray somehow you'd enable me to lie down and take a nap today. I am so tired. (laughs) Or the idea of the green pastures reminds you of the feeding of God's flock in the green pastures of his word. So you pray for your Bible study teacher or your pastor who feeds your soul in the green pastures of his word. Or you think of a teaching ministry you have. Now, I, I don't have time to deal with the fact that, yes, I know that. You know, he leads me or he makes me lie down in green pasture. Shouldn't you know, it's not about somebody taking a nap. We, one of the most important classes we have at the seminary is called hermeneutics, it's about interpreting the scriptures correctly. But I, I'm not here at the moment interpreting scripture, I'm here primarily praying, I'm talking to God, and I'm simply letting the, the words of the text suggest what I pray about when I read, Lie down. I think, man, I am tired and I bring that to God because whatever's on my mind and heart is something I ought to pray about anyway. The Bible tells me pray about everything. So it's good to tell him I'm tired and Lord if you can help me to <laughs> take a nap today, please do that. So basically whatever comes to mind, talk to God about it and just go through it line by line until you run out of time or run out of text. And again, for people that say, well, boy, this could really lead to, to misusing the scripture. Well, I, again, I don't have time to, to get into that. I don't believe in misusing the scripture, reading anything into the scripture, and every other kind of coming to the Bible I can think of. Our first priority is, what does it say? What does it mean? Once again here, my primary activity is prayer, and I'm letting that be guided by the scripture. And if if someone says, "Look, man, somebody could come up with some weird interpretation like this and infect the church with it." Yeah, that that could happen. I've never known it to happen, but I sure believe it could happen. And if it does, the Bible tells us that the leadership of the church should gently correct such a person. But I know this: if a person prays without the Bible, their prayers are going to be far more contrary to Scripture than they ever will be trying to pray. Amen. Them. Amen.
2: Well, you. Well, and and you you even say, I mean, on your on one of your blogs, I think you said. It, you'll be more God-centered in your praying and, and more focused in your praying. And, and, and you know, that's the thing. Our prayers tend to be, we, we almost treat God like a genie in the bottle instead of connecting with our dad, the creator, and our designer. And, you know, I, and I haven't told people about your website yet, it's Bibli- I think it's your website, BiblicalSpirituality.org. Isn't that a, a valid that's website right. for you? So that's yeah. BiblicalSpirituality.org. If you go to that website, there's actually, I think you have an app of, of, for praying the Bible called Five Psalms. Is that right? Is that is that is that correct, or am I misreading
0: that? Yes, it's a, yeah, it's a connection to a free download. Someone else did the app, a brother read my book, Praying the Bible. And, uh, so it just helps you go through uh, there's something called the Psalms of the Day that's not original. If you...
2: Well, it's like we got
1: a little yeah, of this well, yeah. There
2: we go. Yeah, we, we, you broke up. It was called, you, oh. we lost you at it. psalm for a day. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, there's an old practice called the Psalms of the Day, and which if you read five different psalms every day for a whole month, at the end of the month you'll read the book of Psalms. Well, what I suggest is people quickly scan five psalms and just, pick the one that stands out as the one to pray for mm. for that day. That's a great idea. It gives you a place to go. You're not aimlessly thumbing through your Bible. You've got somewhere to go. But you've got some variety because you've got five choices there. And so there's a free app on uh, it, it, it just go. It's called um, uh, Five Psalms. You can go directly whether you're on uh, Apple or Android. Uh, I'll spell it out, F-I-V-E, Psalms five mm. psalms. It's uh, a blue background with a, a hand, open hand, and uh, the word psalms is in Hebrew on the hand there. It's free and uh, several different translations on there uh, for the psalms, and um, I encourage people to get it. But
2: if you can't remember <coughs> the, in it, the title of the books, you can go to org. They have praying the bible they have spiritual disciplines for the christian life also that you can get i think you can
1: get them in the ebook format as well um yeah. and, and so um you know dr whitney I, I think one of the things is doug our our focus this week here on swat radio has been god's word that it is you know we should study it we should read it we should meditate on it we should memorize it and i think that this praying the scriptures is a great tool for—it's been a great tool for me to memorize Scripture, that, you know, as yeah. as I'm reading through a psalm, I'm praying that back, and I'm doing it over and over and over again, not in a repetition mode where it doesn't mean anything, but it's it's now been hidden there. It's it's there, and I can recall it regularly.
0: Hmm. Yes, and that, that's why in, in the Spiritual Listen book, uh, method— meditation method number 11 is to pray the text. Mm-hmm. And so this is one of the reasons I love teaching on it. It's not only a method of prayer. It's also a method of meditation on Scripture. And when you pray the Bible like that, it's amazing how it does stick with you. And when you, you walk away, you're able throughout the day. What was that verse? Oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, I prayed uh, uh, you know, uh, sh- the Lord is my shepherd, and you're able to remember that all day. And you- you're prompted to pray that God would shepherd your family and shepherd you in this decision, and so all these reinforce each other.
2: Well, Doctor Whitney, one of the things that uh, I've been convicted about is memorizing. Again, I kind of, I kind of gone through phases of where I've memorized a whole book uh, and the new Testament, and then I'll get away from it for a while as far as just dedicating time to memory. And so recently I've challenged Brad and we're going to, you know, mem- we memorize Psalm 19. And, uh, my goal is to memorize Psalm 119. And I was really intimidated by it until I saw on your blog that, uh, there's a guy named Andy who memorized 42 books <laughs> of the Bible. Is that real? He got forty-two yeah, bucks.
0: Yeah, I know him personally. He's a pastor, First Baptist Church, Durham, North Carolina. You well, know, he's now he's closer to fifty-two or something like that now. I, and I interview him every uh, every year in one of my classes uh, over the phone. And a very humble, very godly man. And he would he would immediately tell you he hasn't retained all of them. But once he memorizes them, and, you know, when you're talking about 50 books of the Bible, you, you can't hide from some of the long ones by then. I mean, he's memorized nearly all the New Testaments, so that means, you know, the big, long Gospels. And after he will spend the time to memorize them, he will then quote the whole book once a day for 100 days. Wow. And then he's done. Mm. Then he moves on to another one, and he never reviews that one again. Wow. And so he says by means of that, you know, he, he will lose quite a bit because he's not reviewing it. But still, once you've invested that much time, That's you, you don't lose a great deal. You know, you can almost get him started on almost any verse in the Bible. He can finish it kind of kind of thing. Well, hey, Dr. Whitney, um,
1: I need to get you introduced to uh, one of our guests who's been on a couple of times. In fact, he, uh, he's, he's my brother-in-law. His name's uh, Tim McKenzie. He's out of Houston. He has a ministry called On Every Word. He has spoken all over the country at seminaries, and maybe I need to get you guys connected. And he everything is from memory. It's only God's Word, and uh, but it's all put to visual presentation. So, in fact, here at the pastor's conference in Jacksonville, he opened it up a couple of years in a row uh, just to start the conference off. He's on stage just beginning to speak the Word of God from memory with visual around behind him. What is it about God's word in and of and by itself? The, the just the power that's in it is amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, um, we we're down to the last couple of minutes, and I I wanted to ask you about one more of your books <laughs> because because I've I've heard a lot about it. I have not read it, but real quick, simplify the the, the spiritual life. You know, your book on uh, simplifying the spiritual life. It's something. We live in a culture cluttered with all kinds of activities and things, and our spiritual lives can be just as cluttered. So uh, simplify your spiritual life, premise of it, and and who it will be good for to, you know, somebody struggling with uh, their spiritual journey. Uh, could you just give us a premise of it real quick?
0: The subtitle is Spiritual Disciplines for the Overwhelmed. <laughs> And so uh, it's basically for anybody who feels himself to be overwhelmed, for those for whom, you know, they're committed to these things, but reading the Bible is just one more thing to do in an already overloaded, over-busy life. So um, it's, the chapters are short. They're all like two pages long. And My kind of book. <laughs> of, yeah, there are 90 of these chapters. Now, if you tried to do everything in that book, it would complicate your spiritual life. Uh, but the the idea is that it's it's sort of a garden in which you know you meander and you say hey this is a great idea this would really help me and hey this this would help and so um, uh, I mean there's a two page chapter in there explaining very concisely you know what we talked about on praying the Bible there are some things in there about um, meditation and it's pretty much all about the spiritual disciplines in one way or another but in in a more bite size. Uh, Kind of form, and also if we go back to the very beginning, um, I call the first section simplifying and and first principles, and the second chapter is verify before you simplify. In other words, before you worry about simplifying your spiritual life, make sure you have one. (laughs) That's Uh, a good one. Make sure you are clear on the gospel, and so um, uh, just just two page chapters. Uh, dealing with seven sections, simplifying in, in the Bible, simplifying in prayer, simplifying in, in your mind and uh, your time, uh, simplifying in others. So all of these things that are just helpful tools, I think. Um for people to choose from that feel overwhelmed and that their spiritual life is just one more thing to do and an already overloaded over busy life.
2: Hey, well, thank you, Dr. Whitney, for joining us at Simplify Your Spiritual Life, Praying the Bible, and uh, uh, Spiritual uh, Disciplines for the Christian Life. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll pray for your quick recovery. We want to have you back in the future. All right. Thanks for joining us great. today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Don. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast
0: this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWAT.